Arable, dairy, beef, sheep, pigs, chickens. Are you looking for the best agri advice from the real specialists? Look no further. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Wednesday agri podcast, the home of talking agriculture. In today's episode, we're keeping our finger on the pulse of the dairy industry's most important issue, milk quality. How are your butterfat and protein figures? Could you be maximising your health and value of your output through simple changes to your nutrition plan? Could it be that simple? Joining me today from Wednesday to talk about dairy nutrition is Bethany Parry, our Technical Product Development Manager. Beth has been with Wednesday for nearly three years, covering all things dairy in North Wales with customers on all systems. She has a passion for product development, embracing forward thinking in grazing, minerals, technical supplements and additives, and liquid feeds. She is a nutritional guru. Alongside Beth and myself, Mike Chown, feed specialist for UFAC UK, will be joining us to bring his vast experience and specialist knowledge. Mike's passion is ruminant nutrition and feeding to genetic potential via precision feeding with a particular focus on fatty acids and amino acids. So, welcome Beth, welcome Mike. Hello. Hi. So, where do we start? Let's begin with any of its primary nutrition source, silage. Beth, how do you think this year's grass silage is going to perform? Well, um, we've all probably seen articles now and trial nutrition GB's, you know, reports of average silages across the UK this year already. And um, one word really for this year's silages is that they're very variable, variable probably between farms as well as on farms. Um, We've seen quite a difference in analysis between early first cuts, for example, and later cut first cuts. They were just cut, you know, with the weather window in between, um, meaning that some were cut really quite early and they're very lush, um, potentially quite low in fibre and fairly low in protein actually across the board um, versus later cut silages or later first cut silages they're still a first cut but actually they're they're looking like you know maybe a little bit stemmier depending on when they caught um, you know caught them and managed to get them in um, and potentially lower producing um, in terms of milk yield and, and the milk yield that they can support on those later first cuts um, some other things that I found really with the silages this year on analysis so far, well, as I just mentioned, like low proteins. Um, there's been quite low protein in the grass in general all the way through the spring and summer this year. And if those first cuts were cut quite early, then um, they may be low in protein. So we're going to have to consider appropriate protein supplementation to support milk yields going on to those kind of silages. So I would just say know the silage that you're working with on farm and making sure you're getting them analysed early enough if you haven't already. Mike, you've got some experience as well, haven't you, actually, of switching between an early first cut and a later cut first cut already on farm? Yeah, very much so. On uh, quite quite a few farms, we've been we've actually been feeding the um, I call it the uh, rocket fuel first cut, as you say, it's a cut early, lower in protein, yes, but that's easy to balance. Um, but certainly lush, higher acid loading, so need to pay attention to that one. But performing really well. Then the um, switch to late cut um, silage has proved really challenging to the tune of two, three litres a cow if you don't balance it properly. And that's just down to the, yes, it's lower protein, it's also lower energy, it's got higher fibre, but it's also lower digestible NDF as well, which is where um, you know, milk yield can come from. 
So those, those are the challenges we've got. Yeah, yeah, certainly challenging to to keep on top of, isn't it, between between farms and between between cuts. Yeah, your point on the acid loading as well. I found that quite a lot of those early lush first cuts, particularly ones that are low in dry matter, so they've got a lot of like water and moisture retained within the silage. They've got quite high lactic acids. Um, so I'd say like a lactic acid figure on your silage report, anything over 70 grams per kilo on the lactic acid, I would class as fairly high. Um, and that could potentially cause us rumen health issues, um, you know, subacute rumen acidosis type issues um, to start with when the cows go onto a silage that, like that. So we just need to be mindful if um, if that is the case with your silage, moving on to that, appropriately buffering and making sure that we're keeping rumen health as best as we can. So, so what can farmers look out for, for for clues that it's going the wrong way there? Yeah, so implications um, and I suppose what to look out for on farm with room and health. Well, if, if that is the case, if your silages are looking quite wet and lush and high in lactic acid, low in fibre, um, that you know that could cause us some acidosis type problems with the cows. Subacute rumen acidosis is one to, to look out for with silages like that. Cow signs and signals to look out for with acidosis were one of the first things that I look for and, and most people are you know, walking cows regularly is taking a look at the muck and muck scoring. Um, obviously, if you've got any cows that are particularly loose and uh, low on the muck score and inconsistency between the muck between the cows as well, you know, some cows that are loose, some cows that aren't. If you've got bubbles in the muck and it's quite shiny, then yes, you know, you do have an acidosis problem. But just a little bit loose muck where it's not leaving that boot footprint is potentially a sign of subacute rumen acidosis, so SARA. And that obviously would lead to lower butter fats or potentially butter fat depression in the milk, which is where your butter fats have dropped by 0.3% or more. And some people, you know, do experience that. For example, in the spring, turning cows onto very lush spring grass, it actually causes SARA um, and then we get the butter fat depression. So we're working maybe with similar similar situations on farm. So another sign of acidosis could be noticing cud balls at the front of cubicles or in passageways. Um, if you see any cud balls, uh, then it is a sign potentially that there's a bit of uh, acidosis or potential imbalance in the ration, lack of fibre potentially. Another cow signal to indicate room and health and whether there's an issue is cudding speed or counting the number of chews per cud um, in cows. So I would take a, a look around cows laying down in the cubicles and count, you know, a number of a number of cows cudding. And you want to be looking for cudding between 65 to 70 chews per cud. So they will swallow that cud ball and then they will regurgitate it and then chew it between 65 to 70 times. If it's any less than 60, um, that could be an indicator that there's inadequate rumen function, potentially lower rumen pH and, and SARA going on um, with those cows. So that's an indicator before things start to go wrong in terms of the milk fats and milk yield. An indicator in terms of protein, because I know we mentioned some first cuts this year are potentially quite low in protein and um, an indicator of protein utilisation in the rumen, like are we getting good microbial uptake of protein, is milk ureas. Um, so I'd always look at milk ureas alongside butter fats and proteins on farm. You want them within a range of 0.017 and 0.023. That's kind of what's quoted on the uh, text. 
texts or the, the emails that come from the processor anyway. Too much lower than that could be impacting milk yield, but I would take it on a case-by-case basis because it could just mean that you've got very good protein efficiency and very little waste. But too much, um, you know, so over 0.03 for a prolonged period of time on the ureas is an indicator that it might be excess protein or it's not being captured by the rumen bugs very well. So do we need a little bit more energy in the diet to feed those rumen bugs so they can use the protein that's in the grass? The issue we've got with proteins, well, urea being too low or too high, is that we're not maximizing milk yield if we fall outside of those thresholds, really. Too much protein has to be well, has to be detoxified by the cow, and that uses energy. So we're going to lose, you know, a couple of liters of milk, at least, if we're, if we're running at too high milk ureas all the time. And that has implications on fertility and somatic cell counts as well, actually. Mike, you mentioned earlier about rumination collars as well. Yeah, you, you can use the rumination collars, but I have to say, as I said to you earlier, um, Bethany, I go back to the old-fashioned method and actually do do the uh, cut scoring, and 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 that I find is a is a good way because it actually does make you stop and look at the cows. Yeah. The cows are the best signal. You can have all the computers in the world, but the cow is by far the best computer and tells you what's going on early if you learn to read it. So. On top of that cud scoring you were saying, we should always see seven out of ten cows are lie down cudding. And we should also look for a little bit of moisture, just that little bit of white froth on that bottom jaw. And then that tells us the cow's making enough of her own rumen buffer. If you haven't got that, then there's your first indicators of potential SARA. So why is butter fat and milk proteins important? Well, most milk contracts now, even uh, liquid contracts, uh, pay fairly well for butterfat and protein percentages at the moment over a certain threshold. Um, Obviously, manufacturing contracts would pay quite well and quite heavily for protein percentage, particularly, um, and butterfat. And there's there's a minimum threshold a lot of the time with most contracts. So if you're falling below that, if you're experiencing butterfat depression or your milk proteins are running lower than they should be, that's quite costly. You know, it's, it's going to have quite an impact on your milk price in terms of pence per litre. So there's many ways, you know, that we can help maximise that butterfat and protein percentage in the milk and get the most out of your milk contract. If we start with fat first, then how how do you go about getting it where you want it to be? So when it comes to manipulating milk quality in terms of butterfat and protein, there's loads of different things that we could talk about. It's it's a bit of a minefield. So I thought of five main points, really, um, for how we could manipulate butterfat percentage and also in order of kind of importance and how much they can influence butterfat percentage. So I'd probably say number one which is in line with what we're seeing with uh, this year's silages and is going to be a bit of a challenge, is have we got adequate digestible fibre in the diet and in the silage? Forage makes up a huge proportion of most of our cows' diets, um, and especially if it's very lush first-cut silage, which may be low in fibre, that could cause low butterfat in herds that are feeding silages like that. Um, And that's because fibre is digested in the rumen to produce acetic acid, by the rumen microbes, the rumen bugs, and that goes on to directly produce your, your butterfat. So that could be one of the first causes of lower butterfats is inadequate digestible fibre in the silage or in the diet. 
Number two, I would probably say is body condition scoring or knowing the body condition score and the change in body condition score of your cows throughout their lactation. We can see in early lactation that some cows would, what we say, milk off their backs and they lose, you know, body fat and actually protein as well um, uh, as an energy source. And that can give us a falsely elevated butterfat percentage in the milk, especially early in lactation, because naturally we've got that negative energy balance and we may have body fat mobilization. So that's one thing to look out for is that um, your butterfats may seem okay, especially if you're block calving and it's early lactation, the butterfats may seem okay. But is that at the expense of body condition of the cows? Are they milking off their backs? So that's a really important one to measure. And I would just, as as a note on that, wouldn't want to see much more than half a body condition score change over the whole kind of lactation in a cow. Any more than that really is an indicator that there's a excessive body fat mobilization maybe going on early on. So point number three, I would say linked to the silages and and, and the ration a little bit is, is rumen pH and uh, acidosis. That's going to have a big impact on butterfat percentages in any cow, the milk of any cow. So rumen pH dropping too low and causing SARA or acute acidosis. What actually happens is the the low rumen pH doesn't support the fibre digesting bugs and they actually die off. So we can't digest the fibre that's in the diet very well. Therefore, we're not producing the butterfat precursors um, and you can get butterfat depression and quite severe drop off in that butterfat percentage Um, and I would just say look out for the signs of acidosis in the cows to begin with before it starts to impact your butterfat percentage in the milk. So number four I would probably say once everything else is covered in terms of rumen health, adequate fibre, making sure we haven't got excessive body condition loss, I would look at feeding a protected fat, a balanced protected fat and Mike you're the specialist on this. Uh, yeah okay on that one yeah I want to support 100% what you've said first and foremost get the basics right get it balanced right if butter fat then is still a challenge and you're actually on a um, constituents valued paid contract then there's there's two routes you can go here with um, with regards to butter fat the one is if you're on these lush first cuts um, and and low in fiber and things like that then you really can see a benefit from using a c16 zero fat which is balanced with some c181 to support body condition score so in those situations a fat um, like omega cream would be the option you would take conversely if you've got some of these later um, first cuts have got all the fiber and you want some genuine energy for the cow then you want a balanced fatty acid without any of the c16 in and the most recent research shows that c16s to fed to early lactation cows actually has a negative impact and can strip weight off the cow so we're better off in that situation to use a balanced fatty acid and without c16 in so dynalac there would be one that I would look at using in that situation. But no one fat fits every situation. And the cow has a a requirement for different fats at different stages of lactation. So you really need to understand which one to use. Interesting, thank you. Yeah, so selecting the right protected fat supplement to boost your butterfat percentage, yeah, is is an important part of it. And then I'd probably say point number five, which is a bit more of a long-term 
um, influence on butterfat percentage is genetics. So it comes down to knowing the genetics of your cows and selectively breeding for high components and high fat kilos specifically. Butterfat or, or fat kilos in milk is a very heritable trait. It's typically about 70% heritable. So you can, you know, just in one or two generations of breeding for it, start to see some significant improvements to your butterfat percentage across the herd. Uh, I presume you've got five points for protein as well, have you? I have indeed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, try to keep it simple, really, with the protein manipulation and how do we get the most of our, out of our milk proteins without going down the route of describing and explaining absolutely everything that could impact milk proteins on every farm. I would probably say then, number one um, on milk protein manipulation, again, is body condition um, of the cows. Um, taking a look at the body condition of your cows in early lactation and throughout lactation. Um, and that's because milk protein percentage actually is an indicator of long-term energy balance as opposed to protein directly. Um, so your milk proteins, if they're running fairly low, um, that's an indicator that over a long period of time, um, energy balance potentially has been an issue with the cows and maybe they're, they're not getting quite enough energy from the diet. So um, monitoring body condition score loss is an indicator of that negative energy balance in the cows. Mike, would you agree on that? You know, body condition, ketosis maybe yeah. is another sign that you could see? Yeah. I think taking the taking the body condition score is a good one. We always we all understand this milking off the back, but also the cow in negative energy utilizes um, muscle as an energy source, and the cow needs to replenish those muscles. So when we have low milk proteins, it's actually protein diverted from milk protein is put it goes back to make muscle protein. So it is important that we actually balance with the correct quality proteins in early lactation um, to maximize milk protein throughout her protein yield throughout her lactation. That's yeah. a very key point. And look at the thorough muscle, you know, what you think you call it, you're just above the hamstring, whatever. On, on yeah. the cow, stand behind the cow, look at the hips. We all we all see this big muscled beef animal, and then you look at those same muscles on a cow, and we see indentations, um, and that is really the sign of you know muscle turnover in a cow. So we need to replenish that. Then ketosis is your other big one um, with regards to early you know early lactation ketosis mm -hmm. is potential. So we we need to monitor that. Yeah. We may see that, you know, the risk of that now, I suppose, really, especially with autumn block carvers, a lot of fresh cows coming into milk now and sometimes actually been, yeah, well, turned out onto grass and there's not really adequate energy in the grass is there to support particularly high yields at this time of year. So ketosis is one to watch out for, I'd say, over the next month or two. So if ketosis is getting a problem, what what's the best solution? The best solution is to supply enough energy and protein in the diet, and that's the way to look at it. Ketosis is, a, is really due to shortage of glucose, so it's glucogenic energy, and this is where some amino acids are, you know, proteins are, are glucose sourcing. The other thing really is then is to look to, to learn how to quickly spot ketosis in cows. That to me is the secret of getting it this early. So it's just spotting ketosis. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and you, you would expect to see that link, wouldn't you, maybe between running at low milk proteins and potentially seeing more cows with either ketosis or subclinical ketosis where the ketones are high in the blood and impact in performance. So, Mike, what, what would be the first signs of ketosis? First signs you would see um, for ketosis on farm is generally you can actually smell the acetone or what's known as pear drops on their breath. That's your first indicator. Your second indicator can easily be actually that not milking as well as we thought they should or the milk's dropped. Also, they start to refuse feed, particularly concentrates. The other thing is they look lethargic and they have a very, very low rumen filler and, and um, belly fill. Those, those are the signs to look at. Then there's one other thing you can look at if you've milk recorded, look at your early lactation cows and look at the fat protein ratios. And if you've got any animals with a fat protein ratio greater than 1.4, old fashioned we say 1.5, but new numbers 1.4 are a very good guide to say, hang on, we need to look at these cows. Great. Interesting. Thank you. So point number two on protein, uh, well, manipulating milk proteins, um, I would probably say is having adequate starch, energy from starch in the diet um, and balanced starch sources. So I like to feed a range of starch sources in most diets that we've got those different rates of fermentation in the rumen and we're optimizing rumen health and not causing acidosis. But we're giving the cow plenty of energy in the form of starch, which is going to drive propionate production in the rumen and therefore lift the milk proteins you can start to see an impact on milk proteins um, after you know increasing the starch and improving rumen health and propionate production after probably about three to four weeks um, it takes a little bit longer to manipulate milk proteins than it does to improve butterfats we can see pretty much overnight an improvement to butterfat percentage if we make a change to the diet or the feeding whereas proteins are a little bit longer to start to see because like I said it's an indicator of long-term energy balance in the cows so those longer-term manipulation on milk proteins um, but rumen health is key for that like across most milk quality um, well most milk constituent measures. Point number three um, Mike you may want to cover this one really because I would probably say protein sources and amino acids yeah, absolutely. The um, as I said earlier, in the cows actually use muscle as an energy source, and our job is to replace that. Is to replace those muscle. You know, it isn't is basically protein. It's milled, It's amino acids. It's building blocks. So we need to replace those uh, muscles. Um, so to do that, you actually need quality proteins, and you need so therefore a percentage of rumen um, by bypass proteins just like rumen and fats you want rumen and bypass proteins and, and there's really want a ratio of you know 60% rumen protein 40% bypass protein for these early lactation cows if you really want to optimize your milk protein yield um, in kilos and percent terms so it is about the quality protein it can be so tempting to to use cheaper sources of protein to get protein up in the diet 
But again, this is where taking the whole picture, looking at milk ureas and protein utilisation is about. So it's genuine amino acids, um, quality proteins, and and realistically, there's two there's two amino acids to focus on. Um, realistically, to date, um, there's eight essential, but two to look at is where's your methionine and where's your lysine. Lysine, particularly for muscle. As Beth has already said, this year silage is a low in crude protein. And when trying to maximise milk protein output when feeding these forages, there's a point, an important point to remember, and that is microbial protein is very close to milk true protein in amino acid makeup. So it's crucial that we balance these forages and we ensure we optimise microbial protein yield. And you said quite a quite an impact on milk proteins by balancing amino acids in the diet of cows. Yeah, you can. If you get the energy status correct in the cow and reduce your negative energy balance um, in days in milk, it, you can see a benefit of 0.2 to 0.3 in milk proteins if you get it right. So it's well worth investing and understanding. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Mike, I don't know if you want to cover point four or whether you pretty much have but like protected fats and energy for the cow then. Yeah. Well, again, ensuring that we reduce the um, negative en energy balance in early lactation. We have to remember, as we spoke about earlier, it's energy. You have fat in, fat out. But when you're looking at milk proteins, it really is about giving the cow genuine energy. So in this situation, you're really looking at um, C18-1 for body condition score to support the cow. So if I'm looking at milk protein contracts, I really would be looking at balanced fatty acid like Dynalac, genuine energy for the cow. Protein does have an effect. So a classic would be in, in a, a farm situation, you may very well find you've got high ureas and low milk protein. In, in actual fact, if you change your protein makeup or get more microbial protein efficiency, ureas will come down and milk proteins will go up. So it's that balancing. So, you know, that that is that is Beth's Beth's job, those of us nutritionalists, to make sure that we optimize that microbial room and protein. Because it, it is the best match for milk protein. Brilliant. Thank you. And then point number five on protein. Again, it's very similar to the butterfat manipulation. We're going to see an improvement by selecting for it in our genetics. So it's the long term game. <laughs> it's what we're going to see a couple of years down the line in our heifer replacements. But selecting cows and selecting for those PTAs for milk constituents, protein just as much now really as butterfat being selected for because protein is, is so well paid for on, on most contracts. It's just as heritable. So we can see that improvement in milk proteins, but it's a bit of a longer term game. Genetics is, I don't think there's anything more to add on that, Mike, anything more on genetics? No, it's a, it's a real thing. Genetics is longer term, but it is where the industry is going. It's yeah. the potential on, on solids produced, both fat and protein. <laughs> I suppose, it, yeah, in summary, it is, it's just butterfats and proteins are just worth keeping an eye on going into this autumn and this winter, just because we've seen such variability in the silages already this year, they will be quite challenging to work with. So it's what signals really to look out for in your cows that are well, signals that you need to maybe do something with the diet 
before it's too late and we start to see a drop off in the fat and protein percentage in milk because that is quite a costly way of going about it you know waiting to see that impact on fat and protein in the milk when um, we could very easily you know sample the silage take a look at the overall ration take a look at the cows and the cow signals what are they showing us and making sure that we don't see that drop off in fat or protein going into this winter. Okay, uh, well, thank you, Beth, and thank you, Mike. That was fascinating. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. The AgriLab podcast will be back next month with more news, insight, chat, and tips. So don't forget to like and subscribe now. If you would like any advice or practical know in the meantime, just visit our website and we'll be happy to help. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to welcoming you again soon.